Would you pray with me? Reveal, O God, your wonder to our eyes and open our hearts to Christ's love. Disperse from our minds any darkness and fill our lives with your light. Protect us, O God, from thoughts without action. Guard us from words without life. Grant us wisdom to walk in your ways and open us always to the guiding of your spirit. Amen. So when I was in high school, the opportunity to play on the basketball team was coveted. You didn't even need to be varsity. There was that much respect in the basketball court. Even if you were JV, even if you rode the bench, there was respect. So I tried out for the team. I was a freshman standing at about five foot three. No, it's not looking good, is it? What it meant is that when I set foot on the basketball court, it was not likely I'd make the cut. I was caught up in this fever of who might make the team. And strangely, I thought I stood a chance. But there was nothing that would even suggest it. Now, the summer before, I went with my friends to basketball camp, and my skills on the court were proven inadequate. So at camp, there's this exercise where you, where you practice free throws, and it, it's all about form, right? You just keep doing the same form, the same motions over and over again, and you start making baskets, and then they put a blindfold on you, and you just stick with that form, and you keep making baskets. And there was one remarkable kid at camp out of those 200, who managed to make more free throws blindfolded than with his eyes open. That kid turned out to be me. Yeah, basketball was all my friends could talk about. And I played or tried to anyway. But I was at that age where I was trying to figure it all out, to figure out who I was where I belonged. And I was trying really hard to be something that I was not, and it was not working out, and I had trouble accepting it. Now, not long after this, an English teacher, my English teacher, would come to me and ask if I would consider joining of the staff of the school newspaper. He recognized something in me that I was vaguely aware of, but did not yet know about myself. He saw a gift for writing that showed promise, that was underdeveloped but showed promise, and that gift of an invitation changed my understanding of who I was. A teacher who knew me before I knew myself changed my life in so many ways. One of the most sacred experiences of our lives is being known. One of the most sacred responsibilities of the church is to help people know that they are known. To support people in the gift 
of understanding that Christ knows them. So we are in the season of Easter right now in the church's worship life, and through our season, our worship series is called Sacred Rhythms. It's called this because there are practices and and habits and attentions of our faith that, that help us to experience our life rooted in our faith, rooted in God's grace. These are rhythms that help us know God in our life. So today we are going to think about being known by God and how it is expressed in our relationships, how we experience being known in our relationships with one another and with God. Now in today's scripture, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, and the good shepherd knows his flock, and they know him. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, and when the sheep wander off, the good shepherd goes and looks for them. When something terrible causes the sheep to scatter, the good shepherd gathers them back together. The good shepherd knows his flock, and they know him. Jesus knows us. Jesus comes looking for us. Jesus connects us to God, to one another. Jesus lays down his life so that we will know life in Christ. The good shepherd, after all, knows his flock, and they know him. So when we go looking for what is sacred in our lives, it is often found where we are known and where we can be completely ourselves. We find it in places where we can have an openness and a commitment to other people over time, where we can grow to know them and they grow to know us. There's a quote that I often use in wedding homilies, which is the beginning of a poem by the ancient Persian poet Rumi. The poem is called When Friends Meet. It starts like this. The most alive moment comes when those who love each other meet each other's eyes and in what flows between them. Our tears improve the earth and your gratitude, your laughing, always your qualities increase the soul. We come alive when we are known because the good shepherd knows his flock and they know him. And the good shepherd knows how we come alive. It's like a couple who wrote their wedding vows but didn't share them with one another until they were putting rings on one another's fingers in the ceremony. And the groom, he turned to his bride and he said to her that he will be at her side in good times and in bad. He said that he was so excited for their life together to come. He described how he would seek to honor her and love her. 
And then the groom finished by saying something that was just completely him. He said to her, and I am all in. He said, I am all in to his bride. And when he says this, he was saying that he wants to know all of her and he wants her to know all of him and he's committed to spending the time to do so. Our commitments to one another and our many types of relationships that we share bring a deeper knowledge of one another. And we know an incredible commitment of knowing in the Good Shepherd who knows his flock and whose flock knows him. The Good Shepherd who models this knowing by laying down his life for the sheep. Now, I have these friends who rarely miss church. At their church, they always sit in the same spot. It's from the pulpit, it's off to this direction and about three quarters of the way back. And they're always there on Sunday mornings. There are two teachers, three kids, and they're always there. His tie is always a bit loose and kind of off to the side, and his hair is, well, it's messy, but it shows at least that he gave the good college try to make it look neat. She always looks put together, and she carries this shoulder bag that's filled with activities to keep the kids focused in worship children's Bible, Bible coloring books, prayer bracelets. And yet the kids, when you look at them, they've got a little bit of breakfast still on their clothes, and usually so does she. From a distance, they're completely put together, but they show the signs, they wear the signs of how hard it is some Sundays to get to church when you're a young family. But they're committed, and they're always there. And when other families started coming to the church, they would invite them to come and sit near them. They would say, hey, we've got room in our pew. Come sit near us. Or "There's, there's the pew in front of us and the pew behind us. Come be near us because we want to get to know you. And they would get their phone numbers. They'd exchange numbers, and the next week, if they weren't there, they would call. They would call and say, hey, why don't you come this Sunday? Can you come this Sunday? We want to get to know you. We want you to get to know us. They knew that the other families wanted to be known just like they wanted to be known. Because the Good Shepherd knows his flock, and they know him. And there are other sheep that are not yet part of that fold, but they will be one flock because there's one shepherd. One of my earliest memories in in pastoral caregiving was with a, a mentor of mine named John. He adopted a son. As his son grew up and 
was going through his formative years heading toward adulthood, John began to recognize his son's identity as a gay man. He kept waiting for his son to tell him, and he waited, and he waited, and he waited, and it was not until his son was finally preparing to leave home that they had a conversation And his son gathered up his courage to approach his dad and come out to him. And John said to him, I know. I have known and I love you because you are you. And I remember John telling me the difference that it made for his son to tell his, to hear his dad say that he loved him, that he embraced him, that he cared for him because he was who he was. Because being known and loved by his dad gave this young man the freedom to be who God made him to be. And this freedom to be known And to know, to be who God made us to be is something that we do all long for. But there is a place where we can be known because the good shepherd knows his flock and they know him. Jesus knows us so that we may know Jesus. How do we know? How do we know that we are known by God? In so many ways, we experience this through being known in our relationships and knowing those we have relationships with. And the church can offer nothing more sacred than knowing one another, like really knowing one another, knowing one another with grace and with mercy and with openness, knowing that there is more to each of us than sits on top of the surface. Because the church offers something deeply sacred when each of us is known and loved and cared for by God and we recognize it for one another. And the gift of being known, though, requires us to open ourselves to be known, to let new people know us. And the church gives space. It creates the time, the place, for people to be known by God and to be known in community. And the church is called to know Jesus, our shepherd. The church is called to be a shepherd for one another. To follow God and gather ourselves together knowing that Jesus is working to do so. The church is called to watch out for one another, to care for one another. And the church is called to know God just as we are called to know one another. It is a marvelous and sacred invitation to know and to be known. 
But I think the groom presents us with the prevailing question. Are you all in? Because Jesus, the good shepherd, is all in. And the question for ourselves is, are we? For God makes it possible to find what is sacred in the reality that we are known. Thanks be to God this day and always. Amen.